God in some hands is a dangerous thing. It's like a drug that consumes someone's entire life, convincing them that they've been chosen for some unknown higher purpose. Thus is the case with Maud, a pious nurse teetering on the edge of sanity. She believes she can speak to God personally and that he, was he has commanded her to save the soul of her patient, Amanda. But Maud's mental state is deteriorating and she knows not what she does in the A24 produced horror drama, Saint Maud. I'm Connor Izagari. I'm Austin Johnson. And this is Filmgasm. Happy Wednesday, and welcome to the 144th episode of the Filmgasm podcast, where we talk genre films, mostly horror. Today's episode welcomes back Austin Johnson to the flagship show. Thanks for being here today. It's been a minute. <laughs> yeah, of course. Glad to always be here. Uh, you know, this is the heart and soul of, of what we do, and I, uh, you know, it's rare, rare to be here, but uh, St. Maud is a movie that <clears throat> you and I saw a trailer for, like, what, two years ago now? Yeah. And and we just knew uh, we, we got to check this out. Uh, this is going to be a movie that will definitely cause some kind of conversation, uh, as does most A24 horror movies with you and I. <laughs> <laughs> this one definitely reminds me so much of our episode on Midsummer because once again, we are at a severe disagreement. Uh, yes. <laughs> these, yeah, this elevated horror horse shit, which we'll get into. <laughs> <laughs> Saint uh, Maud. Yeah, St. Maud's a film I'd been waiting nearly two years to watch Because of that, my expectations were, understandably, I think, high And I felt like the film didn't live up to those expectations I mean, I felt the trailer was ridiculously misleading As are the trailers for all of these fucking movies Yeah, that's become the theme uh, And to just go ahead and kind of give a little, little history here uh, with these these particular movies, I think, I think a 24, the distribu distributing company is a good place to look because they have this kind of pool of movies. Uh, I would say in 2015, the witch uh, directed by Mr. Eggers, the legend himself. Uh, and then I would say, you know, 2017, it comes at night, you know, 2018 hereditary uh, first reformed uh, the midsummer, of course uh, the lighthouse, these movies definitely have a uh, there's there, there's there's a vibe going on. Uh, there's there's an aesthetic going on that's very similar, and there's a lot of always like a lot of trauma involved, and and then and then this this term comes about elevated horror. <laughs> it's it's a uh, it is very frustrating, and it's definitely Saint Maud, especially out of that group, is definitely a psychological drama more than anything and it very much sold itself advertised itself to be this super terrifying horrifying horror movie and it's just just not really what you get um i i was a little bit let down at first uh the first you know 10 20 minutes i was like oh okay okay this is what we're in for <clears throat> and then i settled in and I, I very much enjoyed it, especially towards the end. I thought the finale was fucking awesome. Uh, and a directorial debut from Rose Glass, who I just think has, has an eye, just like a lot of the other people that we were talking about with these, these elevated horror movies. <laughs> what a silly term. Um, 
it, it it's not this is not one for anybody uh, or for everybody sorry uh saint mod i for anybody <laughs> I, I i think you do um i think you do have to kind of have some kind of relatability to the religious aspect of it for it to work uh it's i also very much appreciate that it's like an hour and 20 minutes it's just just goes by real quick and i i I like that i think it could have hurt itself by being too long and they kind of got straight to the point towards the end i was very grateful for that because i think that a lot of these films like crest two hours and they don't have to and then i'm in it for you know then my whole fucking evening's gone yeah or or in midsummer's case three hours you know just stealing your whole day yeah (laughs) it was weird i think we saw that on the fourth of july as well (laughs) yeah it did it came out july 3rd 2019 yeah uh that was uh the that was a week before once upon a time in hollywood came out so you and i were uh we saw a movie that we very much disagreed on. And then a week later, we saw a movie that we were like, all right, there we go. <laughs> Fantastic. Early days. Ah. Um, so before we get into the bulk of this episode, I do want to talk a bit about this emerging subgenre of elevated horror. Yeah, yeah. Um, if you are a fan of Oscar Sunday, uh, you may have listened to our Toy Story episode a couple weeks back where we had uh, Caleb uh, guest starring on it. And he... He talked a bit about elevated horror. Uh, yeah. I think that was, I think that was like the first time uh, that we've just kind of talked about that uh, with, with, you know, the horror, you know, film guys our horror podcast being the one that's lasted the longest and been here the longest. Uh, we're approaching episode 150 rapidly. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's amazing to me that it took Toy Story. <laughs> Uh, uh, Oscar Sunday, 1995, uh, a Pixar film to, to kind of bring that up, but I'm not surprised that it took us three to yeah. kind of talk about it that way and kind of make fun of it. <laughs> yeah. Cause you know, Caleb is the biggest horror fan I've ever known personally. And he yeah. has always resented the fact that the Oscars have kind of, you know, spit on horror for most of its tenure with the yeah. exception but this whole concept of elevated horror really seems like a way for critics to sidestep the fact that they enjoyed a horror movie. Uh, for sure. For sure. Well, that's like the whole thing with uh, uh, people calling Silence of the Lambs a thriller, you know, yeah. and it's like you want to steal, steal that from the genre, the horror genre, like it has this stigma about it that, uh, that only jump scare movies, uh, you know, and slashers are allowed to be just horror movies. And that's uber frustrating. You know, it's, it's one, of the, one of the worst things about just how Hollywood just perceives movies in general. It's very, very, very frustrating. Well, in my experience, also, elevated horror sucks all the joy and excitement out of horror and just leaves the harsh psychological darkness. Who wants to sit through that every time? The whole reason we watch films is to be entertained and horror films go out of their way to show us wacky shit that we would never see anywhere else. And if we're just, if we take that away and all we're left with is the nightmares, then where's the entertainment factor here? Like, mm. who is this for? Is really like the big question. Me. <laughs> Fine. Fair enough. Uh, uh, yeah. Well, that, that's, that's something that I've had to, to swallow. Every movie I named, I, I really like, 
you know, the movie we saw in theaters earlier this year in the earth, mm-hmm. while I had my issues with it, I still have thought about it quite a bit. And there's something about that just kind of formulaic, like droning soundtrack, you know, that's like totally stealing from David Lynch. I like that stuff. That's just kind of my alley. But I'm also in the same boat as you, where it's like, I don't want this every goddamn time. Yeah. So, so I, I, uh, you know, I put things in between to kind of mix it up, but I do, I do love going to a, especially in St. Maud's case, a, a very specific dark, dark place and kind of sinking into the couch and just being kind of stuck in a place for a little bit. Uh, this also St. Maud, um, really fucking with, you know, the body horror stuff. It's it really does some, some things that I thought were just not fun to watch uh, with the skin, you know, <laughs> the skin in the face. <laughs> eh, yeah, to an extent, to an extent. I, um, I, all right, I'll admit St. Maud has some, some horror elements to it, mostly towards the end. Yeah. There were some moments that I was like, oh, okay. And don't get me wrong. I'm, I don't hate all of these movies. I loved Hereditary. I love The Witch. Yeah. I like the, the Lighthouse. But it is, you know, a less is more approach is greater, is better. You know, I want, mm. you know, I like horror movies, but I do want some variety. I do not like, I feel like I have to kind of prepare for this every time now. Like, is yeah. this going to be yeah. one of these horror posers? And yeah, you brought up In the Earth. I, another fucking misleading trailer that yeah. <laughs> made me think this was going to be something different but no it was the same just no horror till the last five minutes weird message like yeah i can't i can't stand this shit i'm so tired of this Uh, i yeah i was really hoping this is like the sixth or seventh time i've fallen for this i'm really starting to you know it's a shame on me thing at this point so I've, maybe you know, let me maybe let me watch them first and i'll be like nah man no nah, it's just an atmospheric movie <laughs> it, I, I might i might i might just pass the buck but like, at the same time at the same time right when it ended i texted you holy fuck i love this movie you know uh, and you were like oh i was underwhelmed <laughs> i you know like take halloween kills for example that's coming out in mm. a couple months i know exactly what that's going to be that is nothing uh, yeah. misleading about that trailer. We all no, know. No, no. That's great. Same with Candyman. Would, wouldn't like, that be funny if Halloween, if there was a kind of just atmospheric Michael Myers just, you know, messing with the mind? <laughs> if, if Halloween Kills ends up being an elevated horror film, I'm going to go on a fucking killing spree. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to be Halloween Kills. Yeah. Oh, my God. I'm going to summon payment up in this bitch, and he's going to fuck up some people. <laughs> <laughs> all hail king payment yeah <laughs> oh my god uh, you know what i honestly i blame hereditary for all of this because yeah i yeah i, I blame yeah i blame eggers and, and aster yeah yeah because hereditary and the witch were great they were well told stories with the perfect blend of horror and, and drama that worked but because they worked literally every other movie wants to be them so now mm-hmm. we are getting just a constant stream of films that claim to be the next hereditary, claim to be the next witch, and they never fucking are. Like even the directors couldn't do it. Like Aster couldn't do it again. Eggers, I don't think could do it again. So 
I don't, it's just interesting. I'm, I'm hoping something, I'm hoping that like Candyman or Halloween or something pushes horror back into the wacky side of things so we can get more of that shit. Yeah. I well, Yeah, for sure. I think, I, I think, you know, we saw when it came out and it too in Halloween in 2018, I think we did see that. Oh, okay. There's, you can live in both worlds. They're both, it's okay. They're both going to be here. And I think we lost that because we lost the theater for a year. Yeah. Uh, we kind of lost that, that uh, momentum where horror now, yeah, is in a, is in a strange place. I think like modern current horror, uh, you're always going to have find your your stuff if you really want to search for it, you know, through Shutter and different things. It's always going to be there. But when we're talking about these these films that are going to be covered on sneak preview and film guys, I mean, this and that, these big movies, it, it is nice to have that variety to kind of have a buffet of, of different things where it's like, OK, I, I, I can be disappointed by St. Maude, but next week I'm seeing it. Chapter two, you know, uh, yeah that's a nice feeling to have. And it's good. I think eventually it is good. That is going to come back. I think horror will, will live again, you know, through the theater and make big bucks. And I'm hoping Halloween kills is, is that, that first, first blow. Halloween kills or Candyman. It's a, it's yeah. a good bet for either of those films because right now the throne is empty and I mm-hmm. don't like who's trying to fill it. <laughs> That's a yeah. It's a very good way of putting it. I think the throne was taken for yeah. a time a few years ago, and now yeah, now it's in it's in a strange place. Uh, but the the genre is so vast, and again, you 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 know, if you really search for it, it's it's all it's all there for you. It just I, I understand the frustration with a movie like this that's advertising the way it is, and on the poster, you know, the poster is so cool and so terrifying, and it says you know a religious experience a mesmerizing horror masterpiece, you know, it's just kind of like, wait, what? Uh, yeah. It's, it's, it, that is frustrating. It's, it's bullshit is what it is. Like I, I, I honestly, I would be less upset if they would just advertise these films the way in, in you know, correctly and stop trying to pull in the horror fans who aren't going to care. Like, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that it's it's yeah, it's hard because they've got they've I think they've got you know fans like me they've got me no matter what so who like what exactly are you guys doing are you are you trying to fool horror fans that are like oh here's the new horror movie that people are gonna be talking about that wasn't really horror like what are you what are you trying to what kind of reputation are you trying to build because I think there are some people including myself that are that are just going to see these movies anyway, if they are, if they're built up, like you said, as psychological dramas, you know, um, I would, you know, I, I'll, I'll see all of them. Uh, and not just because of this run that, you know, these movies that a 24 constantly is, you know, trying to produce and distribute and whatnot. It's all the other films too, you know, it's, it's moonlight and it's, you know, the Florida project and it's these different things. So I'm going to see these no matter what you don't, you don't need to put that, like you said, pose your fake horror label on it. I think you ha- have made a name for yourself by being kind of a ha- art house yeah. uh, cine- cinema thing. So I-, I don't know. It's weird. And A24's dramas are very good. Like they have, you know, they advertise correctly. They know exactly who their audience mm. is. And the films are fantastic. Mm-hmm. But for some reason with horror, they have to trick people. 
And I've yeah. yet to really figure yeah. out why they don't need to do that anymore. I mean, they, at this point, we all know what's, what it's going to look like. We all know what it's yeah. going to feel like. So just yep. be honest with us. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's definitely the, the name of the game. They've been around since 2013 and it's, it's like this company has built a reputation for itself. Why, why, why lie? You know, <laughs> why lie? You didn't lie about uncut gems. You know, you didn't lie about mid nineties. You, you, the trailer was the movie that you, you literally gave us exactly what we were going to be seeing. So I, I get it. I totally get it. Fortunately for me, I like this stuff. So the trailers usually don't mean much to me. I'm kind of like, whatever, you know? Uh, and you, you've heard me speak on sneak preview plenty about trailers. Sometimes I don't watch them on purpose. If I, if it's a director or got actors that I like involved, I'm going to try to watch it anyway. Yeah. So I'll just, I'll just let that happen. Uh, but with St. Maud's case, I remember seeing the trailer. I remember talking to you about it and it definitely was misleading. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, for those of you who are still a little unclear on the term elevated horror, I do have an article here from CBR.com that mm. talks about elevated horror and some of the most popular films within that subgenre. So I thought we could kind of go cycle through elevated horror's greatest hits, as it were. I love it. I love it. <laughs> so this website defines elevated horror as movies that don't rely heavily on jump scares or gore, but are so emotionally and psychologically disturbing that they traumatize even the most seasoned of horror buffs. Mm. Mm. Many of the films also seem to contain allegorical meanings. Uh, this, the debate over this term centers on whether it's a valid new subgenre of horror or simply a loaded and pretentious term that lacks any legitimacy. I anything, be. Yeah, possibly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if anything, the fact that the films associated with the subgenre have much more in common with each other than any other modern horror movie out there shows that although still an unofficial title, elevated horror movies do exist. And I, I like that distinction. These films are really incomparable to anything but one another. That's, that's very interesting. There's this own, there's this little bubble in horror right now. Like there's all these other horror movies. And then in here, you've got your Midsummers and your St. Maud's and your It Comes at Nights and your Mothers. And they're all just kind of, they're lonely. They're the new kid on the playground that no one wants to play with. <laughs> Uh. <laughs> yeah, and until they start being a little cool, no one's going to play with them. <laughs> oh, like, you know, Ghostface and, and fucking Chucky are chasing each other over on the jungle gym, but St. Maud's just sitting there doing arts and crafts outside. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> next, next to Joel Edgerton and Florence Pugh. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, I love it. Oh. So here's some of the most popular of this elevated horror subgenre. A lot of these films I think we've seen. Uh, first up, Midsummer or Midsummer, whatever you want to call it. I've gone back and forth depending on my thoughts of the film. <laughs> uh, this was an early episode for the show, I think like 14 or 15, like early on. And it was the first time where we really were on opposite sides of this thing because I fucking hated it and you really liked it. And yeah. Here we are again. <laughs> I still, yeah, I still, still really dig that movie. Uh, pretentious as hell and up its own ass basically the whole time. But I, but I really, really like the performances in it. 
and the just the the effects the special effects in that movie are, are out of this world with every everything's kind of got a pulse to it uh i really really still love that stuff i'll give you points on production design but as far as story goes and i made this point in the in the episode i remember that because i've made this point to anyone who will fucking listen to me since uh it's the wicker man straight up yeah yeah a vastly superior actually scary 70s horror film starring edward woodward and christopher lee check that out if you haven't guys because that that's a masterpiece in fact i'm that you know you might see that in the next few months on the show who knows hell yeah hell yeah uh (laughs) yeah so i don't like that you know everyone was like oh how how original how creative and i'm like i saw this years ago (laughs) yeah for sure and and much tighter you know uh wicker man's like a definitely one of the icons of the 70s i'd say of that that era of horror yeah and yeah and it totally is stealing it's it's it it's like the exact same way this the amount of stuff it's stealing is like is like joker with taxi driver it's like okay we get it we get it we get it (laughs) you like you like that movie (laughs) speaking of my uncle uh who you all may have uh may have heard on our escape from new york episode uh, he finally watched Joker and he fucking hated it for that exact reason that it totally ripped off Taxi Driver and King of Comedy. Yeah, it's a little bit frustrating, but I like Joker's all right. You know, there's some aspects I really dig about it. Uh, I've seen so many movies that are just like, wait, what? <laughs> you just, you just, you just, you just copied. Uh, and, and, you know, Paul Thomas Anderson, my favorite director of all time, very much is very okay with not not stealing but definitely wearing his influences on his sleeve uh it's very clear that he's an altman fan when he watches movies it's like oh okay all right you, you definitely watched his movies growing up and that's a big part of what you do and i'm i'm okay with that but but when it comes to you know you're in the theater and you're thinking oh my god this is the wicker man that sucks that takes you away from what you're watching yeah, I, mean, I got, you know, I have no beef with a filmmaker who has, you know, very obvious influences and wants to pay homage to stuff that they grew yeah. up Yeah. My own work is, you know, basically a blend of Once Upon a Time in the West and Blade. I'm, bo- I'm well aware of that. But yeah, <laughs> it's when you ignore that and try to pass this off as some creative epiphany. That's yeah. when I don't, that's when I lose respect. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's where you, you pointed out Mother. I love Mother because it's so very obvious what it is right away. Yeah. Oh, oh, we got that. That that. that oh, there's Cain and Abel. You know, <laughs> here they come. And see, there's there's literally a part with the rib being taken out. You know, and Ed Harris's character is throwing up, and you're like, all right, I, I see, I see what's going on here. See, I didn't, I didn't grow up with the Bible, so I wasn't, I didn't catch on to that till it was over, and I'm like, wait, was he God? And yeah. I had to do some Googling and I'm like, oh, he was God. I didn't pick yeah. up on that at all because yeah. I, yeah, I man. grew up in an atheist household. Yeah, I grew, I grew up in a, in, a, you know, in a Christian household going to church every, every Sunday. I went to private school from kindergarten to my sophomore year when I dropped out. And these movies hit me, you know, hit me hard. Uh, anything that... Even that that stuff in Midsommar with uh, how committed the people are to what they're doing is like is so scary to me, and uh, just takes me to a place in my own head and my own experience that 
I, I like. Some people don't like to do that. They want to watch movies to be distracted. I, I, I usually they become, you know, coping mechanisms where I'm like, oh man, that's really cool that Rose Glass sees that that way because so do I. Uh, I, I very much like that. And First Reformed is my favorite example of that the past few years. It's like, it's one of my very favorite religious movies uh, right up there with fucking Elmer Gantry, you know, just, I just love it. Nice. Yeah, I get it. I totally get it. You definitely have a, a refined appreciation for these kinds of films and it's totally understandable why. Yeah. Yeah. Um, next up on this list, we've got the lodge. Which... Oh yeah. The lodge. <laughs> oh man. Is... What that that's atmospheric as hell. Yeah. This movie is one of the few that surprised me that I was like, that is a smart twist. I, this was a very smart film that I didn't like at first, but the more I I kept thinking about it, it's one of those films where I'm like, damn, like I saw it two years ago and I haven't really let it go. Yeah. Yeah. Same. It was, yeah. It's just, you know, new stepmom, kids want to fuck with her in their ice cabin, make her think there's a ghost she yep. goes, you know, reverts back to her cult mentality of, you know, all shall bleed and decides to sacrifice to her God. And the kids are Crazy. like, we were fucking with you. And she's like, oh, no, yeah. no, I know what's up here. Like, <laughs> very interesting film. See, and the preview wasn't, it was kind of misleading, but on purpose. Yeah, it, uh, it was misleading in the way the hereditary trailer was misleading. Yes, exactly. Pretty and smart. I don't mind Pretty being smart. misled for a good reason. Yeah, of course. Of course. You, you want to like the, the classic M. Night Shyamalan. You, you do want there to be something that surprises you. Yeah. Oh, shit. I had no idea this was going to happen. Like but when it's when it's the entire genre that it's that it's just lying about that because hereditary is a whole is like a through and through horror movie. It's oh, fucking sure. fright, fucking frightening, you know, like from start to finish. It's got shit in it. That's like totally jump scare, <laughs> you know? Uh, it, it flirts with everything, and that's why it's just kind of like a level above the rest. Yeah, it's the you know it's the kid on the playground who got to join one of the gangs. Y- y- oh yeah, they're like Tony Clut, you can come hang out. You're cool. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Hereditary. We'll obviously get to that. Uh, really stands on its own with these films. The Lodge, I recommend. It's a yeah, oddball, um, very creative film. Mm-hmm. Um, Us. Hmm. Oh boy. I don't know if I would throw us into into elevated horror. I thought it was just a know. bad movie. Yeah, I just thought it was pretty average. Uh some 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 good perf- you know performances, you know, of course Lupita Nyong'o is totally mesmerizing, but the story is just to me so goddamn silly. Uh I've watched it just twice and I think I liked it less the second time as far as just kind of like, okay, I caught a few things that were kind of cool about it. Little, you know, little things that kind of almost kind of connect with the get out, you know, the get out world. And they're saying, oh, eventually they'll kind of intersect. But uh, overall, it's just, just silly as hell. And like my favorite moment is the Tim Heidecker and Elizabeth Moss moment where they're at their house and shit just kind of hits the fan, you know, and they become, they're all fucking trying to kill each other. So I, uh, that one is like, what are you trying to say? And so I understand it being kind of in this elevated yeah. uh, kind of subgenre. Episode four of the podcast. I can't believe that. The, the only Crazy. one we ever recorded at your place. Oh, that's right. That was, whoa, yeah. 
I remember that. How about that? Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. That would have been, that would have been, let's see. That would, Cause we started, when did we start this in March of 2018? Is that right? 19. 2019. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. A little over two years ago. Jesus. Yeah. That's crazy. So yeah, that would have been, yeah. In April or something of, of 2019, shortly after Willow was born. I think actually in terms of like the way that uh, we like released these, that was your first appearance on this podcast because i did the first three alone yeah 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 that's that's exactly right and then it, and then hereditary and midsummer were the ones where we're like all right i'm, I'm gonna start being on this every time <laughs> how about that i personally i give more credit to jaws but yeah <laughs> that's yeah that's a good point i just remember i remember hereditary was this kind of like uh well, we just had so much fun doing this, so we should just keep doing this. And then Jaws was the kind of like, all right, what are we doing? <laughs> what are we doing? We need, let's keep doing these movies and spice it up. I do want to just go ahead and point out real quick that one thing that's always consistent in these A24 elevated horror films are the performances. Those never yeah. Same with that. Same with every A24 movie, right? It's like, oh, wow, they're getting pretty cool actors and actresses to just be in these. Yeah. Uh, whether it be, you know, Willem Dafoe's just, he like continuously pops up in them, whether it's Florida Project, Lighthouse, uh, or Mahershala Ali in Moonlight, like what the fuck, you know, uh, uh, rest in peace, Anton Yelchin, The Green Room, you know, um, awesome, awesome people. Tony Collette, the, you know, one of the, one of the true horror legends now. Yeah. Um, and again, this is a list of elevated horror films. They're not necessarily all by A24. They just are most associated with the concept. The aesthetic, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Next up, It Follows. Um, mm. Another one I don't know if I would throw into elevated horror. I think this one's pretty straight-up horror. Me too. I love It Follows. This yeah. movie's pretty kick-ass, yeah. Very creative idea. Just You can never get rid of it, and it's going to follow you everywhere. That's brilliant. I love the idea of a sexually transmitted ghost. Yeah, and I think this movie does a good job of staying original while very much, you know, being respectful to like the Cronenbergs, you know, the the people that really messed with this kind of stuff of like something chasing you this way that is just kind of ever so creepy. <laughs> you know, it's it's not just Michael Myers blah 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 chasing you. It's it's like something something a little bit more has a little bit more depth. Uh, very fascinating. I love how parts of that film are basically a Where's Waldo game where you're just trying to find in the background who is walking at a, a brisk pace towards the camera. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Yeah. D David Robert Mitchell, uh, he's only directed two movies now, and it's, it follows in Under the Silver Lake. Uh, and he could not have two polar opposite movies to start out with, which I love. I love that he has shown he can work within two different kind of genres. You know, Under the Silver Lake is like a big Lebowski hangout stoner type movie. And it follows is, is a horror movie. You know, uh, I, I love that. I love that someone can do that. And I can't wait to see what he does next. Yeah, straight up. It follows is one that we haven't done on the show yet. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, um, definitely. That's that's definitely got to be at the top of our list for the 2010s that's it's good oh yeah 
Next up, one we've already brought up, Mother. Mm. Uh, one of the most upsetting of these uh, elevated horror films. I think we all know why, if you've seen it. Uh, the only film, in my experience so far, that a baby is straight up eaten. Uh, yeah. Fuck. But a very hard to follow weird film if, again, like me, you're not, you know, up and up on the JC. Because I, <laughs> I'm not. I'm just, I don't know the, the nitty gritty. Uh, I don't know the details. JC was a Jew. <laughs> uh. <laughs> um, oh, man. God. <laughs> it's um, Jennifer Lawrence and Javier Bardem. Are fucking, Darren, fucking Darren Aronofsky, man. The, the fucking weirdo genius. <laughs> yeah. I've got such mixed feelings about him as a filmmaker because I loved Requiem for a Dream. I enjoyed Black Swan. And I fucking hated Mother and Noah. So Noah, Noah's shite. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Noah's straight, straight garbage. I, I remember seeing Mother in theaters and just being kind of like, yeah, I'm really happy this is happening. <laughs> I, uh, Immediately, I was with my friend, my, my buddy Grant, and we he, he went to the same school that I did uh, in middle school and high school, uh, private school, and just was kind of raised in the similar environment that I was. And <clears throat> we looked at IMDb. <clears throat> we, went, we went to eat together before uh, the movie, and we looked at IMDb, and we looked at kind of like the, we were like, oh, man, like, look how many awesome people are in this movie. And then I noticed, I was like, wait, so mother is literally Jennifer Lawrence's name. Him is Javier Bardem's name. Man and woman are Ed Harris and Michelle Pfeiffer. Younger brother and older brother is Brian Gleason and Dominic Gleason. So I'm like, wait a minute. Is this just going to be like a straight up, you know, movie about the beginning of time <laughs> of creation and shit? And sure, sure enough, uh, sure enough, it was. It was just like an allegory for for like you like we were pointing out Adam and Eve and Cain and Abel and all these different characters that are based on Bible characters and what better book to steal from than the <laughs> Bible for ho- for horror <laughs> scariest book ever you know I'm honestly surprised it hasn't been done more uh yeah mother um not not for me uh another <laughs> one that I felt was very misleading the trailer gave off a rosemary's baby vibe Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the, yep that's true and hmm, i'm i'm mad at myself because i keep falling for it uh next up another film i don't think i would classify as uh elevated horror either the babadook um mm, yeah no that's you know that does not fit with all these honestly one of the scariest movies i've seen from the 2010s that movie is agreed chilling we and haven't done that either. I know. I haven't. Yeah. I, I just, I don't know what happened. We never did the Babadook. Well, we, think about how many movies we, you know, we're just always, it's just endless. <laughs> we'll never run out of movies to do, even if it's just horror. <laughs> fucking Song of the South before we did the Babadook. Yeah. God damn it. We, you, you guys did a, uh, uh, Peter Jackson, uh, Bad Taste. Before we did the Babadook. God damn. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, we've... Mea culpa. It'll happen, yeah, I promise. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, this movie's uh, a brilliant allegory for depression. 
And um, it's just this woman and her son who are haunted by this top-headed nightmare creature called the Babadook. And it's so simple, but so effective. And so just chilling. It's the way it, it's the phone calls for me where it just calls her and just goes like, Baba dog. I, I, that shit gave me nightmares for weeks. Yeah. Same man. And have you seen uh, the nightingale? I have not. That's, that's also directed by Jennifer Kent. Holy fuck, man. Like I've heard things about that one. Yeah. Fucking gnarly, gnarly movie. And one I would love to cover uh, on the show. The Babadook and It Follows are both from 2014. And that year is just loaded, loaded with all genres. So I, I would love to tackle both of those soon, man. They're, they're both stellar movies. The Babadook is definitely definitely in a different class than the rest of these. I agree. And that's actually the list. But I do want to throw out some honorable mentions that I can't believe it's not going to talk about. The Witch. Um, yeah, Robert Eggers, 2015 or 2016, I guess, depending on what country you're living in. A, a movie that the trailer alone gave me severe nightmares. Uh, there was something about that trailer. It was too, it felt way too real. It brought something primal into my head. I don't know what it was, but I didn't want to, like, it, when it came on at, at Draft House when I was working, I would actively leave the theater while the, the trailer was going because I didn't want it to fuck with my head. And then the yeah. movie lived up to that, which I, I didn't expect. Like that, that movie delivered. It said, you know, the trailer said, this is a psychological night- nightmare in Puritan times. And that's what the movie was. Straight up. Uh, I love The Witch. That was one of our early um, episodes too. Yeah, me too. The Witch is super, super good. Super tight, nice and short knows exactly what it wants to say and do and has uh, one of my favorite atmospheres for a horror movie is just kind of in the middle of the woods, like, you know, like Blair Witch Project, but just, but, but focused on one spot. I really, really, really like that kind of a movie that makes you settle in like that. There's like a exorcism in this movie. There's an evil goat. There's literal witches. There's, you know, babies disappearing. It's, it's fucking bonkers. And all while Eggers did the same thing with the lighthouse. He's so fucking committed to the language, uh, the time and place, the setting that he wants to be in. I, I, I don't know of a guy who's in any genre right now, who's more obsessed with making the, the setting so authentic. Uh, I think he topped himself with the lighthouse. I think it's a slightly better movie than the witch but but just just barely uh and i think part of that is the stuff he that he wrote down for willem dafoe and robert pattinson to say is like he, he did a lot of research to make that work make it actually sound right and be authentic uh i i love that stuff and the witch it's it's they're both amazing i think they're both i think i gave the lighthouse a a nine it could be a 10 though good god and the same with the witch you know it's right there yeah I yeah, and the witch, you know, it's one of those films where it could go either way. It could be just, you know, a mass hysteria, or it could be actual paranormal forces at work. And the film yeah. kind of leaves it up to you. I like that from time to time. And then, of course, the last one I just want to talk about, you know, again, it comes up all the time on all of our shows. Hereditary. It's hmm. 
kind of the godfather of elevated horror. And as good as it is, it is at least partially responsible for the boom. Uh, it's a great movie. It's a great horror movie, great family drama, incredible character study, and a straight up nightmare from beginning to end. I, it's one of the most grounded and horrifying horror movies in decades. Uh, I wish that, I wish that the rest of these, this kind of film had a little bit of hereditary in them, you know, just a, just a smidge, a drop. It would, it would help. Yeah. Oh <laughs> uh, Yeah, man. What, what more can we say about it at this point? It's a, yeah, it's a perfect movie operating on a, you know, like a $10 million budget and it made $80 million at the theater just did super well. It was a word of mouth. You have to see this. You have to see this while it's in theaters. You have to see it. I remember telling every, everybody that would, that would hear me out. It was like, please make time, make time to see hereditary. It's uh, special. It goes beyond, goes beyond what, what we see horror as, you know, it, it just, it breaks through that. There's movies that do that every so often, in my opinion, uh, that are a part of a genre, but they break through so heavy that you just got to see it no matter what, no matter who you are, no matter what you like, like you, you've got to find time to, to watch hereditary. It, it, it will stir you, you know, it, it'll, yeah. It might, it might, it might not scare you. You know, it freaked the shit out of me. Uh, I'll never forget seeing it. I'll never forget seeing it in theaters, and just the, the attention to detail again from someone like Aster is very, very cool. Uh, the setting of Utah is is perfect, where they're just at this house that he fucks with the same way, you know, The Shining fucks with the hotel, the format of it. The, the way that we we think the house is laid out, it then changes and does different things. Uh, this 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 is to me the best horror movie of the 2010s, and just one of the best movies. Period. Uh, it's a must must see must see. Uh, we could talk. We could do an episode on this every month if we wanted to. It's a, it's yeah. that good. It's really that good. And we're both we're both on the same page with this one, where we we do wish that every horror movie just had a bit of this in, in it because it's there's something magical about it uh every performance inside of it as i've watched it more and more gets you know gabriel uh, gabriel burns performance gets better uh alex wolf's performance gets better millie shapiro good god unbelievable stuff and dowd is the x factor of the movie she comes in and just is like one of the scariest people i've seen in a long time in a movie and that's because she's not like She's not this like nun or, you know, this it, it's this this lady who runs into her and then sees her at fucking Hobby Lobby and is like, come on over. Let's do some seance shit. <laughs> and it's it's that that's so creepy. That's so goddamn creepy. I was just trying to get wallpaper, but you, you now you're inviting the devil into my brain. Thanks. <laughs> but that's that's my favorite shit about this genre, that it's allowed to do that. It's allowed to do those things and hereditary does those things over and over uh awesome awesome movie this is one where the two hours works the two hour the two hours was needed for the full payoff uh 100 it's you you can you know you could blame it for where we're at with horror bit but you could also just recognize its greatness and hope that movies can try to raise the bar straight up straight up 
I I agree that Hereditary is a straight up masterpiece and we should just bask. And I wish the rest of these films had just an ounce of this film's uh, integrity. But <laughs> yeah, I feel like we're, you know, Hereditary is Coke and we've got just a shit ton of RC Colas after it. Like <laughs> similar, but nowhere near as good. Yeah, has the same same kind of filter on it, on the lens, kind of grainy, 3-4 ratio, all this and that. But no, like you're just not touching the story that is hereditary, the story of hereditary. And the, like you said, the, integ- the integrity to just, to be pretty fucking original. Uh, so cool, so cool. Yeah, so there's elevated horror for you. It's, you know, take what, what you, whatever you want away from this. Uh, I see it as a straight up bullshit term to help critics sleep at night. And yeah, I think that a horror movie is a horror movie. And if it is, it is. If it isn't, it, it isn't. There's nothing, you know, stop trying to disguise it. I don't know. Whatever. Yeah, well, this is going to happen forever. Uh, this is like a huge, huge issue with people and, and art. You have, uh, we have to label everything. We have to say, this is this, this is that, this is this. And by, by default, like you said, you're going to have a, especially with movies and like music for sure as well, you're going to have people that, uh, okay, well, I liked this, but I don't like the box it's in. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to take it out without even, without really any, you know, just, just doing it off of will, I guess, just like, oh, I'm going to do this. This is what it's going to become. And now we have this kind of, I would say five, six year journey of, okay, now people are actually saying this now. People are actually calling these movies elevated horror. And I'm, I, I'm, I'm right there with you. I think it's complete horse shit. I think it's very stupid to, to make that kind of a label, especially with that word. That word is so goddamn disrespectful to, to what horror has done. Meaning, oh, uh, uh, Halloween can't, can't go near these movies because it's not elevated like like it's on the ground like as if it's lower than these yeah. are for this is for for narrow-minded dumb people like what do you realize the implications you're putting on these movies yeah. and and not, not to mention the standard you're holding these movies to to be elevated horror that's not fair to saint mod that's not fair to hereditary it's not fair to the witch to be like these movies are elevated therefore if you don't like them you have bad taste what the fuck is that what the fuck is that that right there is my biggest problem with it is if you don't like these movies you're wrong yeah it's that's the horseshit i can't stand yeah it's it's total bonkers let the people who like weird shit like me just like it you know And, and we'll we'll handle we'll handle what we have to handle with people being like oh that was up its own ass yeah, so are a lot of the movies I like. My favorite show is Twin Peaks. I like things that are up its own ass, you know? Uh, again, my favorite director is Paul Thomas Anderson. Kind of up his own ass half his career. <laughs> so I, I, I like this stuff. You don't need to tell me this is why you like it because it's, because it's elevated. N- no, no. I like the droning, again, formulaic type soundtrack. Let me have that. And let horror fans just say, 
this is a bad horror movie. This is a good horror movie. Point blank, you know, period. Like, it's just, it's that simple. It, it, it's going to keep happening. It's going to keep happening with different genres or, you know, where people don't want to just say, it's okay if it's in the, it's okay if it's in this box. It's allowed to be here. It's allowed to be here. Yeah. A comedy is allowed to be a comedy. You know, it doesn't need to be, oh, well, this is actually more of a character study. Okay, cool. But Big Lebowski is a fucking comedy. <laughs> you know, you know, it, it's, it's okay. It's okay to like a movie. That's a genre. Yeah. Is Wes Anderson going to be labeled as elevated comedy now? Is Denis Villeneuve it's, elevated sci-fi? Is that what exactly, we are? Exactly. Exactly. That's the scary place of like, just let it be. Like, let it be. Let it be a Wes Anderson movie. Like, it's fine. It's yeah. not. These yeah, fuckers, just, they can't admit, they can't just accept the fact that Hereditary and like the Toxic Avenger are in the same genre. <laughs> that's exactly right. That's exactly right. And, and again, that's where the disrespect to horror fans comes from, where it's like, wait a minute. Uh, now I can't like all of these things or dislike some of them and like some of them. Like that, that makes no sense as a fan. I should be able to take them as they come. One, yeah. one by one by one. I don't, I don't have to love every slasher movie. I don't have to love every elevated horror movie. You know, I don't, I don't have to do that. I can just kind of pick and choose based on what I like. Yeah. <laughs> I can hate St. Maud and Friday the 13th. It's, you know, mm. that's mm-hmm. the American way. Yeah. And you can also like both of them. It, it's, yeah. it's okay. <laughs> All okay. You like what you like. You don't like what you don't like. It's, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. It's, yeah. yeah, you can still be friends and disagree with with them. You know, it's we do it all the time on this on all of our shows. I, yes, and we're we're able. You and I are able to uh, uh, totally disagree on Saint Maud, but understand that the perception and narrative that this is building is not good. It's not good for the horror community. It's not like healthy at all. Uh, you can read stuff on you know Letterbox and IMDb. It's just people like arguing about what? What are y'all doing? Shouldn't we just, shouldn't we just like just kind of bask in the movie if you like it, and then let it move on from it if you don't like it? Why are people arguing whether this is an elevated horror movie or not? Like, listen to yourself. <laughs> you know, it's 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 crazy. There used to be a time where if you didn't like a movie, you just said, "Oh, that sucked," and then you moved on. Yeah. And granted, I know that's. I can see. I can smell the irony because I'm literally on a podcast explaining why I don't like this movie, but you know. Fuck, fuck that. Yeah, it's a, it, 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 there is irony to it because we both are very open-minded and we're very okay with people liking certain things, disliking them. And we happen to have all these movie podcasts where usually people are going to be very headstrong and no, this is, this is correct. I have to choose a side and it just doesn't have to be that way. Uh, no, just doesn't have to. It does not. In fact, it's far more freeing to just kind of, you know, in all aspects of your life, just pick and choose what makes sense to you, you know? Yeah. Politics, movies, food, travel, anything. You don't have to subscribe to, I like this and only this, because that's what they tell me to do. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, an, it's an identity thing, you know? Yeah. It's like, well, but, but this is me. I'm supposed to be an elevated horror fan. No, you don't. No, you don't have to do that. You're allowed to like Halloween as well. <laughs> God. I, I can't believe people do this to themselves. They lock themselves in these boxes and then they feel miserable and they don't know why. Yeah. It sucks. It's, un- it's unfortunate. <laughs> well, you know, let's get into St. Maud finally. 
<laughs> yeah, no, this is this has been a lot of fun because I think yeah. this is a uh, this is definitely where my mind was all day, just kind of thinking about Saint Maud and how much I liked it and kind of combating that. Uh, why did I like it? What did I connect with? And it wasn't at all the horror elements. It was the it was it it was the psychological stuff, the religious stuff that I really really connected with and I laughed at and I, 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 I just felt, I felt on a deep level. Uh, and those, 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 those things um, aren't, aren't a part of the, you know, the, the conversation we're having. I, I'm okay with liking these movies, but I'm also very okay with being kind of like, fuck the elevated horror movement. <laughs> yeah. It goes right back to, you know, you like what you like. You don't like what you don't like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so St. Maud debuted at the Toronto Film Festival in September 2019. It was supposed Jeez. to have a... Oh, I know, it's, this movie's been kind of in limbo for quite some time. Uh, it was supposed to have a wide release in the U.S. in April 2020, but the COVID pandemic wiped it off the calendar indefinitely. It got a theater release in October 2020 in the U.K., as well as a subsequent DVD and Blu-ray release in February 2021. So for a time, this was a strictly British release. Um, why? I don't know. It was finally released in the U.S. on VOD through Epics in February 2021 as well. You can stream it on Hulu as we speak. So yeah. I kind of just stumbled upon that. I had, I had kind of forgotten about this one, and I was looking through Hulu mm-hmm. St. Maud, and I'm like, holy shit, I remember that. So I threw it on the calendar and thought, this is going to be fun, and then I watched it, and I'm like, fuck, now I got to do stuff. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of how I see whenever a movie's bad and it's for the show, I'm like, God damn it. Now I have to put work in. <laughs> I can't just rave about what I loved. Yeah. But, uh, but, uh, th- this is, this is, this is obviously a long time coming in and very crazy to believe that, uh, Rose glass, you know, it's her debut clearly has some stuff to say, yeah. uh, and has you know, just, just a bunch of shorts to her name. And, there's a gap from 2015 to 2019 where it seems like there's nothing that really comes out. That's, that's, that's hers. And you got to wonder what was it that caused her to, to go ahead and make this movie? You know, she wrote and directed it. You got to wonder what happened in that gap. (laughs) I have some kind of spiritual awakening, some kind of religious acceptance, something. Mm Because this film feels very personal in, in many ways. Yeah. I just I, I feel like it didn't go as far as the trailer had promised in no not at all religious awakening. Like I thought Maud was going to become a straight up like you know save you or kill you kind of person, and she kind of was, but not until the end of the movie. And yeah, it's mostly just watching her be a nurse. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is, and watching her try to kind of like strategically put herself in a place. You know, like with the with the Carol character when she's like, "You need to leave," like you're you're no good. She's wasting your time with. You. <laughs> it's like, what are you doing? It's like she's playing chess, and nobody else, everybody else is playing checkers. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of uh, Welsh actress Morfid Clark plays Maud. Clark has also appeared in such films as Crawl, The Personal History of David Copperfield, The Man Who Invented Christmas, Pride and Prejudice, and Zombies. And she's set to appear in Amazon's upcoming Lord of the Rings series. So she's hardly, you know, new blood. <laughs> she's, she's been around for a while. She's been doing a lot of really cool stuff. And um, this is, I think, one of her first, like, leading roles. And she was the best thing about this movie. 
Like her performance is fantastic. Yeah. Good Lord. Um, she was incredible. Start to finish. I, I particularly thought the bit where she decides to go out and she wears kind of a revealing dress was like astounding work from her. Like, uh, I, I, there, it's rare that you, you're just kind of just blown away by an individual like that, that you don't have a serious connection to. Uh, she, she, she tore me up in this movie. Um, I, I, I thought that character was built for like a mini series. Uh, mm-hmm. Like she could carry, she, she carries herself in a way that going from, you know, a desk to a bed, putting a fucking blanket, it's like she just has a way of just kind of gracing the screen uh, and taking control of it. I, I, I very much fell in love with, with her as a performer during this movie. I, 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 could, I can agree with that. I think she is the best part of the movie. I particularly enjoyed her little fireside chats with God. Which yeah. Like, oh. I really thought you would have revealed that old plan right about now. Not that I'm complaining, but uh, can we hurry that up? I don't know what I'm supposed yeah. to do. <laughs> like, so good. Yeah. So good. Uh, or when she goes, uh, when she goes to that that bench where the new nurse is, and she's just talking. <laughs> she's like, "Do you mind if I sit down?" <laughs> the lady's like, "Go ahead." Just creepy as fuck. From our from our perspective, we're like, "Oh my god, what are you doing?" <laughs> well, then she asks, "Like, what's your name?" And she immediately stands up like the Terminator and just beelines it. Yeah. Uh, okay. See you later. <laughs> Um, Jennifer Ale plays Amanda Cole, dying ballerina. Ale has also appeared in such films as Zero Dark Thirty, The Professor and the Madman, Fifty Shades of Grey, The Ides of March, The King's Speech, and the RoboCop remake. So another person mm. who's just been kind of around. Uh, yeah. And she was good. Um, I, I'd hope, I was hoping for a bit more um, exploration into who she was and, you know, where this personality came from and why, you know, Maude is so attached to her. Like, I feel like the, there's a gap in the middle of this movie where she, Amanda's just gone. And I wish we'd gotten more uh, character building with the relationship between the two of them. Yeah, because the finale uh, does feel a bit, I don't know if it's forced, but it's kind of like, okay, wait a minute. Tacked on. She was yeah, yeah, it does. It does a bit. I, I do agree. Agree with you. This character was fascinating. Uh, again, an American, this American character is living like seaside over across the pond. What's going on there? Uh, why does she remind me of Roy Scheider and all that jazz? Like what? What's <laughs> what's going on here? Uh, I, I really liked, you know, chain smoking cigarettes, drinking all the time, like to have like to have women around. Uh, fascinating character and the party scene was crazy where it got kind of distorted and mod is running into different all the bodies and they all kind of look like they're fucking morphing and doing different things and really weird and kind of creepy scene where you know you're like is she under the influence of drugs what's going on and then you know that, that's when we have the slap bam and that's yeah. when we have them separate and that is the worst thing to happen to the movie is them separating so that there can't be this constant buildup. But I understand it as far as uh, Maud's character leaves and still has this fire, you know, that's, you know, 
inside of her that she has to save this person from going to hell because she's about to die. And the fact that she's so committed that she'd go back home and find her way back. I do understand that. But again, the movie's like only an hour and 20 minutes and doesn't really allow you to, to build that, that whatever that is, that relationship that they have, which is just so bizarre. Uh, I, yeah, I thought, I thought Amanda was a extremely fascinating character that could, could have her own movie. <laughs> yeah. It's, you know, it's funny you mentioned, Roy Scheider and all that jazz because I had just the red shoes going. Yeah, 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 me too. Me too. Yeah, 1948 classic for Oscar sure. Sunday callback. <laughs> yeah, yeah, all that jazz. Also, Oscar Sunday callback. Uh, yeah, I yeah, I was like, she definitely hangs out with Bob Fosse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Uh, one more cast member I want to bring up: Lily Fraser plays Carol, Amanda's sort of girlfriend. Uh, yeah, she's been in a ton of English TV, and she also played Lisa the mechanic in The Gentleman, very briefly. Mm-hmm. Um, another character who I feel isn't thoroughly explored enough. I mean, I had I, she had Maud's first victim written all over her. Yeah, like I don't. Maybe I'm just you know conditioned to see these as a you know with a certain rhythm that horror just doesn't have anymore. I mean, mm. that, could, that could be a part of it, you know every horror movie from like the thirties to the fucking mid two thousands has this formula of like introduction, conflict, brutal murders, you know, solution question. Yeah. And elevated horror, whatever you want to call it is screwing with that formula. So that I think is a major part of, you know, my own personal issues with these films. That's yeah, that's totally fair. It's kind of, it's formulaic, but it's totally, it's, it's only lasted for five, six years, you know? Yeah. So it's, it very much is, is still a baby. The formula <laughs> is to ignore the formula. Yeah. It's to, is to subconsciously, we're going to go against the, we're going to go against the current here, whether it works or not. <laughs> and sometimes it doesn't work. Sometimes it does. Of course, you know, you'll have those movies that kind of flip it upside down, but like, like I think, I think, I think, uh, we can call back to one of the greatest horror movies of all time. I think the shining does a really good job of staying within a, within a formula, but also giving you like little tidbits of just weird, just kind of upside down weird shit. And that's the best. That's my favorite is when it's, it, it, it's a good solid story, good movie that, that is kind of focused on itself, but also will give you those glimpses of what the fuck just to kind of throw you off. I like that. This is going to sound weird and a little confusing, but I hope y'all can follow me on this. I think the best horror films are predictable and unpredictable at the same time. A hundred percent. Okay. So exactly with a uh, Halloween 2018. Uh, okay. Yeah. We knew he was going to kill a lot of people. Okay. Yeah. 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 But there are like little things within the kills or little things within the story that, oh, I had no idea that's how that was going to go down. Yeah. I, didn't know Jamie Lee, I didn't know Jamie Lee Curtis's daughter was going to be like, fuck you, bitch, with a shotgun. You know? I didn't know that was going to happen. Yeah. But I knew that I knew Michael was going to kill a lot of people and there's going to be a showdown. You know, yeah. I, I knew that was coming. It's just it's, it's how we get there. And if the journey is good enough, then I don't fucking care. You know, I'm going to watch it because it's fun. With horror, you kind of you know the destination, but you don't know the journey. And yeah, 
Yeah. Interesting. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I think you and I are very similar in, in, in what we what we love in horror, but the things we like, like little niche things that we like, it's very different. You know, yeah. mm-hmm. I think uh, I, I think, you know, you're you're going to be more prone to uh, like 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 Fright Night. You love, love, love that movie. I like it. It's really good. But that's 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 your shit. You know, that, that is totally your shit. That's 80s fucking, you know, niche niche stuff. And. And I'm more on the side of, you know, uh, this crap, you know, <laughs> you know, St. Maud and Mother. And these are the things that I'm, I, I, I do enjoy a lot on a, on a personal level. Yeah, straight up. And I do think that, you know, I think our respective upbringings is a big part of that. Uh, always, always. The way you are brought up to look at the world is going to affect the way you watch it and how you perceive it. Uh, I'm still, I'm 26 now, but I'm, still unlearning things that I was taught. Uh, I'm still unraveling them in my mind. Still. I always will be. It's never, that's never going to stop. Uh, and I'm, it's not just my parents, you know, it's, this is the school I was in. It was the church that I was going to. It's other, other authoritative individuals telling me this is how it's going to be. And that's really scary to me now. Uh, the fact that I, you know, went through those things where, there is an individual in, uh, I had Bible class every day. There's an individual telling me, this is how this is interpreted. This is what it means. Otherwise, you know, you're going here, you know, and movies definitely. And again, I'll, I'll always shout out first reformed. I think it did such a good job of playing with that. What exactly does this mean to me? And, you know, Ethan Hawks, Ethan Hawks character is just constantly, thinking like man it, is this a is this a right path or is it just a path crazy so hard to really think about <laughs> i've always liked the quote i don't remember who said this uh the best teachers are the ones who show you where to look but they don't tell you what to see mm. and that's where i think we differ in our developments because i've always had a kind of overarching disregard for authority. I've never liked being told what to do and I've never gone with it. I've always kind of, you know, followed my own path and movies were a big part of helping me to find that path. Like I, you know, Mm. I I got a lot of moral lessons from back to the future. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like the whole concept of, you know, you can, if you put your mind to it, you can accomplish anything. One of my favorite movie quotes of all time, like, that movie quote helped me be a writer. So it helped me start a podcast. It's yeah. So I movies were my Bible in a weird way. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Yeah. Oh man. Uh, I'll never be able to properly explain what it's like to like uh, when I was, uh, you know, when I was really in the thick of kind of Christianity and I was, uh, definitely a believer, you know, I was very much living each day as if I was, uh, like, like one of Jesus's disciples. I was living each day as if, uh, that was all that mattered. I cut things out of my life, like movies and books and certain music. I just cut it out of my life because I thought, uh, I don't want to put this on my throne. I want to put God on my throne. That was my, that was my thought process. And 
watching a movie when you're in that uh I, during that year while i was living in romania i saw two movies i saw james bond skyfall and i saw uh here comes the boom with kevin james uh <laughs> because I didn't know what to do with my, with that passion, with the passion of watching movies. Uh, and then 2014 happened when I moved back, I moved back in like late 2013. And that year of 2014 was when I kind of just started kind of living for myself, uh, being, being a little bit selfish, but for the right reasons, you know, I was working on myself constantly. I was thinking about what do I want to do with my time? Uh, and movies became my my place. And I, I just spoke about on Oscar Sunday, that was the same year that Philip Seymour Hoffman and Robin Williams died. Uh, that year was just personally huge for me. And movies became that for me. I had to, I had to adopt it. You were born with it. <laughs> you were molded by it. Uh, I was adopted in the dock. <laughs> I... I very grateful for whatever was going on in my mind that I decided to kind of use that as a coping mechanism and kind of a, a way to learn a way to grow uh, and movies like, you know, the Babadook and grand Budapest hotel, nightcrawler, gone girl, whiplash, Birdman. Uh, it follows all these 2014 movies. I have to give them so much credit because they just changed my life in that way. Just majorly. And from then on, you know, since then uh, I have, you know, I, I obviously stopped I, from what I, how I'm speaking. I stopped believing in Christianity and that the, the whole bit, you know, stopped believing in uh, a specific creator. You know, I don't know what's going on. I'm never going to claim that was part of the deal when I moved back was in my mind. I was like, I don't know what's happening. So I'm not going to claim to know or tell anybody else how to do things. Uh, that's just kind of how I've chosen to live for the past seven years. And I still, man, I still have issues. Uh, even while watching St. Maud was like, what am I doing? Is this wrong? Uh, what, would, what would my 15-year-old self think of me enjoying this movie? Uh, it's a crazy, crazy kind of mindfuck type thing when you watch these religious movies that just take it there. Uh, even, you know, Elmer Gantry has a huge effect on me because it's, not only is it my favorite Burt Lancaster performance, but it's, it goes there. It takes it to a really dark and crazy place. And that, that always affects me, but you know me, I like being hit like a fucking by like a brick wall with movies. I like being kind of rattled and, you know, total attack on the senses. So I kind of seek that stuff out. Uh, but it's, but it's never going to end. That journey's never going to end of kind of unlearning and stuff and kind of figuring out how to just, just enjoy this for yourself, man have fun with it. There's no guilt applied to it. That's, that's powerful, man. I'm, I'm very glad you uh, sort of found your way eventually. And uh, I admire that you're, you're always fighting that. I, yeah, keep winning that fight. Uh, yeah, I, I will. You know, uh, this stuff helps a lot, you know, just constantly being the thick of watching movies and being on the podcast and, uh, just realizing this, this is, this is me. This is what I love. This is like who I am is I I'm very much, Oh, that's Austin. The, the movie guy, you know, um, very much so amongst like my family members and my friends. And that's what you are as well. So 
no wonder we got along. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, St. Maud has an IMDb score of 6.7, Rotten Tomato score of 93%. Thanks to the pandemic, she was only <laughs> able to gross about $1.4 on an undisclosed budget. Um, as I said before, you can currently stream it on Hulu. And all of these films are totally revered by critics, like all in like the 80s and above. But the viewer score is usually like, the fuck was that? <laughs> <laughs> This has like a 65 viewer score. So I'm yeah. not, I'm not crazy here. <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. Look on Letterboxd, man. You're not crazy at all. Uh, the, these, these movies definitely split people down the middle. You know, it's like you, you either dig this or it's not for you. Yeah, very true. Uh, so let's discuss some talking points. I don't have a lot. I was, I was not taking a lot of notes with this one. I was kind of waiting for shit to happen for, before I could take notes. Yeah. And it took a while for that. So um, the first like 45 minutes of this thing are Maud being a nurse to Amanda talking to God and kind of almost giving up on, on her faith that see where she goes out in a, you know, suggestive outfit and hooks up with a couple dudes. It's her at rock bottom, basically, where she's just kind of like, I've lost the job. I can't save this woman. What's the point? And from there, she kind of sees the light again. And she has a very interesting conversation with God, who turns out is real and Welsh. Who knew? Um, interesting bit of dialogue there where she like hallucinates or maybe doesn't. Uh, and God's like, I'm so proud of you. You have one job left and all will be forgiven or whatever. And uh, it's kind of fascinating. Uh, I love the Welsh language. It's so vibrant and weird. It's like Elvish. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, yeah, truly. <laughs> uh, I wish that that had kind of happened. That realization had happened a lot earlier in the film. And then we could start to get the crazy religious driven serial killer that the preview promised me. Yeah. Yeah. That you got for five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the the one scene that I wish they hadn't put in the trailer because it, it you know gave me the willies and it did again in the movie was when she puts nails in her shoes. Oh, dude! Oh my god! And then showing her just walking like a good distance. Oh man, just right now is making me uncomfortable. There's that, and when she's pulling on her arm. Oh, it's like, like pulling on the wound. Oh, yeah. Oh, stop it. <laughs> I've never understood this religious desire to hurt yourself in the name of God. I've never understood that. Satanists don't do that shit. You don't even see the Satanists being, you know, all they do is like, don't diddle kids and be your own man. That's the whole Church of Satan motto. It's, it's the, you know, it's the God fearers who do this crazy shit. For sure. I mean, yeah, you see like on her stomach, all the scratch marks and she's just like, looks she, like, yeah, she looks like abused. When she kneels before the altar on the popcorn kernels, like I, I never even thought of using popcorn as a way to hurt somebody. <laughs> but God, but God, it does, you know, you know, uh, that, that shit, 
is so weird. All those little things, you know, the, Oh, if, if I do this, God will notice me. Cause I'm, you know, trying really hard here. It's just so wild. Such a crazy place to go. And, and the, when she literally is like, I've been rejected by God. So now I'm going to go fuck around at this pub is like, good Lord. You know, it, that is so frightening. And it's, uh, this, this individual, this kind of, this lonely girl who's just like, uh, doesn't, doesn't have a sense of purpose. So this is what she latches onto, you know, uh, that that's frightening in itself. Just the place that this character is in changing her name from Katie to Maude. What the fuck? Yeah. What are you doing? Because she got someone killed and we never, I wish we got a little bit more insight into that. Uh, we yeah. That, that was freaky. There's the intro. Yeah. That was real weird. And I was like, Oh God, what are we about to get ourselves into here? The, uh, the scene clearly. Yeah. Clearly killed somebody doing CPR. Yeah. Well, and like when she's fucking the guy and she yeah. visualizes the CPR and like breaks his ribs and she freaks out. Yeah. There were, there were little bits of a good movie that I would have wanted to see. <laughs> <laughs> definitely, definitely the, you know, the life of the mind, right? Like you just <laughs> don't, you don't, you don't know exactly what she is doing all of this for. Like you don't know exactly how it went down. And for that reason, you're kind of left to wonder why she's just so stuck in this Roman Catholicism. <laughs> What's going on? When, whenever she kind of senses God, she doubles over in like severe pains. But it's hinted yeah. that she got like, you know, stomach cancer or something. She, she says at one point, it's like, it's like he's inside of me and I'm pulsating. What the fuck? That's so weird. That is so weird. If you hear someone say that, run. Like, run. Run the other way. <laughs> like, if you can, like, just the way she words it, obviously it's intentional in the movie, but you know that, you know, there's some realism to just how Rose Glass decides to build this story up uh, of this. this per- there, there are people who get so stuck in, you know, they get so stuck in to where this becomes who they are and for Maude it's like she doesn't listen to music she just talks to God and asks what can I do next <laughs> not just that but I feel like she sees God as like the one man who will never leave her yeah like, because she's so lonely like it's the one relationship she has that's constant the way she talks about God the way she feels the way she like acts when she thinks God's like rejected her and what you know her determination to please him it really does feel like She's in a personal, she believes she's in a personal relationship with God. In a yeah. In a very weird way. Yeah. I love how the, the her 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 friend that she runs into. Um what was her name? Joy, I think. Yeah, yeah, I think that's right. She's just like, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> the hell is going on in here? <laughs> you should fucking run. You know, if I'm Carol, I'm fucking running. Uh this is yeah. The, when she is whispering to Carol in the kitchen, you need to leave, you need to leave. And Carol's like, what are you going on about? <laughs> Seriously, that's exactly how I would like, what, do you hear yourself? Like, <laughs> what are you saying? <laughs> and I love later, like Carol just goes to Amanda and is like, your nurse is crazy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, 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 that young, that young pale girl over there is just kind of wild. <laughs> My God. Um, 
so she goes to she has this realization of like i need to save this woman so she puts a bunch of like paint thinner in a bottle and goes to amanda's house and like tries to what like absolve her or something with the paint thinner or the gas or whatever that was and don't know amanda's just like i'm so sorry i hurt you instead of being like why the fuck are you here (laughs) get out (laughs) yeah none of that and then amanda's like a demon (laughs) yeah yeah it's definitely uh like mod is uh, this is one of my very favorite aspects of horror uh is like if 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 you believe you're seeing it that shit's there you know um it's one of my favorite lines in the exorcist is when the mother and the doctor are talking and he's like sometimes we can't see what this person's seeing and if they see it it's real to them and it may not be real to us and that's like oh man that's one of the best that's one of the best things you can break in horror is like, there's a lot of, there's a lot of places you can go with that. <laughs> yeah. If, if I see it, but you don't, you know, I'm crazy, but you're not and vice versa. You know, that's, that's, that's a mind fuck of, in its own way. And mod is clearly in a place where, okay, you are not receiving what I'm giving to you. Therefore you're evil. You must die. <laughs> it's like, Holy hell, man. And that, that, sh- that face that Amanda makes is that demon face is, was frightening. Well, and you know, Maud's condition, whatever it may be, that's making her see God. It's probably fucking with her mental state severely. And makes look her- at her dorm. Look at her little dorm. Like yeah. the fuck is going on here? Yeah. <laughs> crazy. And then she just stabs Amanda in the neck with a little scissors. Yeah. Um, <laughs> wild. I thought she was going to light her up. Me me too. Yeah. Yeah. She lights herself up though. Yes. <laughs> Health immolation. The best way to talk to God. Yeah. Uh, express lane right there. Uh, man, on the beach. Two out of, two out of five stars. Don't recommend. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Jesus. It just... I love the sound design in that scene where you just brief, you can barely hear people going like, Oh God, stop her. Somebody stop her. And she's like, it's, it's just honed in on her, like pouring it all on. And then it's like, she's an angel. And then there's that brief visualization of her burning alive. Yeah. And where was that movie? It's like somebody took, you know, fucking the cider house rules and stitched it together with the exorcist but didn't bother to connect anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, that finale is something else. That's a statement for sure. Uh, this mod the whole time was, was crazy the whole time. Yeah. Rose, Rose glass is very, very much saying, uh, no, nah, she had lost it in real life. She was just, she just burnt herself. That's all that happened. <laughs> it's super scary. Yeah. And, ironically she's if she you know believes all that she's going straight to hell (laughs) yeah yeah she murdered a cancer patient very brutally yeah and just was not a good person i mean (laughs) not not a nice caring uh individual and pretty judgmental so (laughs) well yeah i don't want i don't want to i have some things i could say but i won't (laughs) go ahead 
I, in my experience anyway, I've noticed that Christians tend to be judgmental, terrible people. Well, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And <laughs> honestly, like, you know, I bring up Satanists again. They're pretty fun, nice people in my experience. Uh, yeah, I just, I find it funny that the book tells you be a good person, love thy neighbor, and every fucking one of them ignores it. Yeah, for sure. It's like, uh, oh, here's this simple solution, you know, love, love others, love, love your creator, love yourself. All right, cool. That's pretty easy, but it gets so convoluted with, you know, we got just, just the different branches of, of, of just Christianity, you know, that's not, that's not even bringing in everything else into play. Yeah. I, I agree with you. That's for sure. That's, that's to me, that's why this movie's funny. It's got a, it's got an element of humor to it thought it was hilarious at times because of the way that the way that Rose glass sees this stuff is how I see it. And I, I, I loved that. I loved that. That was my favorite, her control and what she was trying to say with this character and with going into something so intensely. Yeah. You gotta be careful. You gotta, you gotta be paying attention to the things around you. Otherwise, what the hell are you doing? You know, it's okay to, it's okay to go into something, be passionate about something, but like have to have a little bit of, awareness for what's around you have a little bit of awareness that other people are going to think differently than you it's like you know i love like i brought you brought up fright night earlier it's i love it and you you like it but not as much as i do and then i just fucking stabbed you because of that yeah 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 (laughs) exactly exactly and people uh just tend to get super angry about that stuff oh what you don't like this thing fuck you yeah i'm gonna <laughs> it's crazy it's tr- fucking tribalism <laughs> it's ridiculous and it's insane and it, i cannot believe we're still fight we're still dealing with this it's 2021 it's, it's time to time to stop like we're in the 21st century we're about to, you know we're we're in space we're gonna colonize mars in a few decades but we're still worrying about the fucking devil are you kidding me <laughs> like, oh, oh man there's some things that history will never let go. <laughs> I know. Um, here are some filmgasm facts. There's not a lot of trivia about this movie, but I got two fairly interesting things to say. Uh, number one, despite being a film revolving around religion and Christianity, no passage or verse from the Bible is ever recited. It's almost like Maud is living by her own self-imposed rules. Another, another allegory for how a lot of Christians operate. Yeah off their own will rather than actually reading the Bible and saying, Oh, here's very clearly telling me how to live and what to do. Nah, I think I'm going to have my own interpretation. Yeah. (laughs) And that's how you have like millions and millions of different kinds of churches. (laughs) Some guys like I can do this. I can teach people about this. I'm going to start a church. (laughs) And that's how you end up with a hundred and something dead poison people in fucking Jonestown. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, I just yeah, and I love that in some of these, you know, self-imposed teachings, fucking Jesus Christ has an AR-15 and an American flag tattoo. It's bonkers to me, man. Mm. Uh, yeah. Isn't that something? Yeah. <laughs> um, number two, when God speaks to Maud, he is actually voiced by Morphid Clark, who is speaking mm. Welsh and pitched down a few levels. So it's literally Maud talking to herself. That's pretty cool. Yeah. 
pretty cool. That's that's a good little fun fact to know. Yeah, and it reminded me so much of the witch when uh, Black Philip talking to Black Philip. Yeah, yeah, similar tones there. Uh huh. God and the devil. I mean, they are related, so it's not weird that they sound like each other. Um, I give Saint Maud a six. I thought it was boring, confusing, barely a horror film. I felt A24 blatantly misled audiences, and I don't think it lived up to the two-year wait. That's fair. That's fair. Oh, obviously, we are on, on our opposite ends here. Um, my initial response is to give this movie a nine. Uh, uh, I, I was, uh, yeah, I was suckered in right away. I thought the intro was awesome, and it's, it's, it's a movie I, I'll be thinking about for a while due to the... Uh, the, the religious aspect of it. Um, I think that is the only thing on the poster that makes sense to me is it says it's a, a religious experience for me. That was true. Uh, that, 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 but it was not a horrifying horror masterpiece. That's for sure. Uh, but as a movie, I really liked it. I really dug it. I'm excited to see what Rose glass is going to do next. And I think Morford Clark is someone to very much be on the lookout for. Fair enough. Fair enough. It's your, interpretation i get i totally cool with that <laughs> i love it i love it i love when we have a have a have a gap that big in our ratings uh that's what makes us different as movie fans it does always seem to be you with a nine though doesn't it <laughs> yeah it's it's like me yeah midsummer i think i gave midsummer an eight or a nine faces on oscar sunday i gave a nine you gave a five yeah <laughs> yeah that, that that's the that's the same shit as uh that's that's John Cassavetes very much like uh, I'm doing this my way this this filmmaking thing and if you're not on board with it it's just not I just don't think it's going to be for you you know and I'm lucky with, I'm lucky with that you have your, you have some of your directors that I uh, that I'm not I I don't think we found one that you love that I don't like but there's definitely ones that you're really like Zemeckis you're really really into him yeah and for me I, I'm a fan I'm a fan but I'm not a I'm not nearly as knowledgeable as you are. Fair enough. And to be fair, I have literally been watching Zemeckis since like the fucking day I was born. So, there you go. I'm, there you go. <laughs> um, well, thanks for listening, folks. Always a pleasure. Uh, next week, we are tackling a 90s cult classic that introduced the world to the freakish creatures known as the Graboids. We're traveling to the yes. small town of Perfection, Nevada, where Kevin Bacon and Fred Ward help the townsfolk fight off a horde of vicious underground giant worm-like creatures. All this and more when we discuss 1990s Tremors. Can't wait. It's been a minute since I watched this one. I barely remember it. Ah, oh, man, that's super exciting. I'm definitely going to be watching it this week so I can, so I can listen to that. Oh, what a, what a movie. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, it's one we just simply have to do on the show. Uh, you know, one of those. Yeah, for sure. Uh, be sure to check out What's Eating Gilbert Grape on Oscar Sunday and Marvel's yeah. Black Widow on Monday's sneak preview. Uh, interesting. God week. damn. That's this week, isn't it? Jesus Christ. Black Widow. Marvel is back in theaters, baby. Uh, and, and look at what they've done. They've, they've adjusted to the times. They decided we're going to fucking use the shit out of our, 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 uh, our Disney Plus, this, this platform we have. And they've put out good content to where every Marvel fan is like, I've been happy the whole time, even through COVID, you know, through quarantining, all that stuff. 
They kept us, they kept us, they gave us little snacks. And now, now Black Widow gets to come out and it's going to, I think it's going to do really well. Uh, I'm, I'm very excited for that. Well, what I learned is that the only person on earth who had a pandemic plan is Kevin Feige. Yeah. Yeah. He, he knew yeah. he was like, if something happens, this is how we can do it. He said yeah, the it's... only thing that's been changed up is that Julia Louis-Dreyfus' character from Falcon the Winter Soldier was supposed to be introduced in Black Widow. So okay. now it's like an afterthought kind of thing. But that's that's it. That's the only thing that's been majorly changed like in Marvel's adjusted. grand plan. Yeah. That's incredible. <laughs> Geniuses. Mm. So yeah, talking Marvel and the sneak preview, I can't wait. It's been one of the big things I was looking forward to with that show. So I'm excited to do just an entire fucking... Marvel fanboy episode. Hell yeah, man. That's going to be cool. Until then, never trust anyone who is constantly talking about how God speaks to them. Odds are they're going to stab you in the neck because they think you're a demon. And uh, keep watching movies while you're at it. (laughs) 